My dad always told us to watch players and learn from them. Pick our favorite player and pay attention to what they're doing. Off ball, on ball, defense, whatever it is. So as a kid, I always looked at the players like my dad. He worked hard. He he did you know all, all the little things, but what he was doing was working hard. And I always kind of looked down on the other players that jogged to the bench, smack talked, fight. Now I look at the game and, and I look at different players that that's part of their game, but they're still doing it and having fun with it. When you see that in a player, when you know if a kid looks like he's out there having fun and that's what he cares about. Welcome to the Fred Opie Show, where we learn how to make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Syracuse University and U.S. National Team athlete, now historian. I use the oral histories of my guests to help you figure out what your gifts are, find the right school to develop them, and give you a plan to give, save, and spend your money and time wisely. On today's show, the famed Thompson brothers. These guys are, are rock stars in the game of lacrosse. And we talked with them about the traditions they grew up in. We go deep, folks. Talk about the political ramifications of uh, some of the laws that happened during the colonial period and the first encounters here in the Americas between Europeans and Native Americans, as well as we get into some of the experiences that the Thompson brothers uh, went through when they were growing up living on the reservation. We're going to be talking with Jerome, who was the oldest, Jeremy, second oldest. Jerome played at Onondaga Community College. Jeremy played at Onondaga Community College and went on to play at Syracuse University. And then we also have Miles. Miles is the third of the four, and Miles uh, was a, a Torton time winner with his brother Lyle at Albany State University. And then Lyle himself, again, won the Twan Award two times, one with his brother in his senior year by himself. This is, I'm excited about this. It's a really good conversation where I learned a whole lot. Of, you may not be Native American, but there are ways that you can honor this game if you listen carefully what they say. At the very end, we get into some uh, dating and marriage politics, something related to the experience I've seen as an African-American with athletes, and I asked them about their of marriage partners. We get into the whole discussion of gender in lacrosse from the perspective of traditional societies within the Native American communities. You guys are not only great lacrosse players, but they're also husbands and their fathers. And we cover all that in this podcast, which I think you're going to love. I certainly love doing it. Educating people, especially our people, about our history is important. And I think um, it's something not everybody knows. Not everybody is, is educated on those things, but our own people are uneducated about it. We were, and I think within our schooling systems, we're not told the truth through history books and everything that, that's told to us about our history has to come through our elders, our parents, definitely not the history book. Jerome, who are the names of the people in your community that you want to make sure when your kids grow up or if you had the chance to have more kids, you would say, I would name my son after or my daughter after. Orrin Lyons. Orrin Lyons is just a, a, a great leader for, for not only us, our, our whole community and our, our people. Other people are, are, are definitely our Tadadahos. My great-grandfather was a Tadadaho, but he still holds a lot, a lot that people follow this, to this day. 
has a couple books out and leader of all the confederacies. So that's the legacy that you guys carry. That, that's heavy, man. <laughs> Leon Shenandoah. Now, if you guys had a poster that would be symbolic of resistance and struggle as a people, what would the poster be? This is Lyle talking. But I think it's just, just the most recent thing that's happened within Native American communities that everyone, well, everyone should know about is Standing Rock. And a lot of the pictures, it's, it's a similar picture of a guy holding his hand up with a feather in his hand, standing up against the... Pipeline, yeah. the construction of the pipeline. Yeah. What would you want members of our tribe to know about that so that they have a better sense of what's going on? This is Lyle talking. Well, I went out there, I seen it, what, what was going on out there. The night before I got there was the night that they got bombed with um, the bean bags and they got sprayed with fire hose, or yeah, hose, water hose. It was freezing. Wow. When I got there. November, the end of November. Wow. Out there, it was, it was freezing. Mm. Pretty flat lands out there. A woman who lost her arm from the beat, the bag, the thing they got shot with. A lot of the little stuff that went on out there is untold. You know, a lot of people everyone's seeing, obviously, is just that there's Native Americans protesting to try to save their land, their water, their water supply. Fighting a fight, that's, a, that's something, you know, a lot of people should stand up for because um, it's, it's a matter of money and, and respecting the land we live on. I think that's what everyone there protesting was trying to do, was just trying to um, let everyone know that we're not superior to these lands. We're not more important to live on this land than, you know, the trees, the water, everything that's here, hmm. everything that's supplying us. It's just something that's so simple, to me anyways. And, you know, maybe that's the way I was raised. I went to college and whatnot. I learned to live in today's society, obviously, but I still live that same way hmm. and I still carry the same you know, sacredness. About how many people did you see when you went out to visit the location? On all three campgrounds, that was about 10,000 people. You know, guys, I think about my own childhood and I describe myself as uh, a young athlete who had sports on the brain, but I also had a lot of pain and I wasn't getting my ego stroked by doing well in school, but I got my ego stroked by doing well in sports, so it became what I went to, kind of my therapy. What were you guys like at, at 14 in terms of your academic performance and the role that, that lacrosse played in your life as, as young people? Jerome, you want to start with that one? School started out as a, a struggle for us early on. Till fourth, from fourth and fifth grade, me and Jeremy, we both learned our, uh, our native language. We didn't know how to speak or, or even write any English. In fourth and fifth grade, we moved to a public school and that's where we started learning English. We were behind from the start. School wasn't really the, the, our strongest part, but lacrosse we excelled in. And lacrosse is what, what pretty much pushed us to, to further our education. When we got into high school, we started getting looks from colleges. Father had asked us, asked us what do we want to be when we get older. Pretty much all of us said we want to be lacrosse players. He goes, uh, well, you guys are going to be educated lacrosse players. So he really tried to push education, education on us and get us to go to college. And, and we used lacrosse as a vehicle to get there. 
Jeremy, tell, tell me your story. I was about 11, 12 years old when I first started getting into drugs and alcohol. Very, you know, becoming addicted to it. But at the same time, you know, having my brothers and having my family, you know, having both of my parents in my life was something that was very inf influential for me um, to kind of stay on my path. But another thing that also helped me was lacrosse and what I knew about it. The background about, you know, that it was our people use it as a medicine. And you know, the creator, the way I understand it, is the creator sent this game down as entertainment to entertain the people. And when you go out there, the creator wants you to go out there and play this game at 110%. But at the same time, no matter what happens of the outcome, what matters is when you go out there and play this game is your mindset and your energy is supposed to be strong because it's much more than that. Um, we use it as a medicine to heal a certain person might need in our community, mm -hmm. or it could be a healing for the whole community just by being there and the being in that presence. For our, our people, um, knowing that every spring and being a part of that, and we would do this every spring to remind our players why and to also go out and have a good season because a lot of players played in the summertime. Mm -hmm. So in the spring, Obviously, having that new, fresh mind, having that new, fresh plant life that's coming up in the springtime was also a reminder of why we're supposed to play this game. For me, knowing and having that knowledge kept me on my path when I was going through you know, difficult times in my life. I, you know, if I didn't have those things in my life, you know, I, there was definitely a lot of chances that you know, I might not have been you know, sitting in this seat today hmm. uh, because of lacrosse. And, a strong knit family, you know, having my parents there every second of the way, giving their time to their children was something that was very instrumental, you know, for me to continue on. It's been a vehicle for me because not a lot of our people, um, education hasn't been in the past a number one priority uh, for our people. Um, but today in today's society, I feel like more and more people are become aware of the importance of education and it's something great to see that they're avoiding staying away from alcohol and knowing that they have a gift and opportunities and they're destined to do something hmm. is something special to see more and more kids do nowadays. Hmm. You know, Miles, Jeremy struggle and then ultimately succeed and have an opportunity to go to play to Syracuse. How did that influence you and your decision to go on to college? You, you know, I see my little cousins going through it. But uh, I was lucky enough to have my two older brothers and to know what my parents went through. When I was 14 years old, I seen, you know, the struggle that they had. I seen them go up through school. They didn't uh, excel in it. So I knew that, you know, I wanted to focus on my education. I found out that, you know, they wanted to go to D1 college right from high school. And what stopped them was the grades. We didn't know that you, they kept your GPA from ninth grade. We didn't know that, you know, you had to take SAT or ACTs in order to qualify to go to a Division One school. Um, I was lucky enough when I started ninth grade, you know, I could get my grades up, so it'd be easier for me to go to hmm. Division One college. You know, they had to take the route to go to community college. I'm not saying it's, you know, it's a bad thing, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm with them. <laughs> our, our stories are very similar. I mean, I struggled and I didn't go to Herkimer Community College. Sorry, Coach Worm, sorry, Herkimer, because I wanted to. I had to. It worked out very well. But you said you learned from them. 
So you went straight because of the lessons. Yeah. You know, I, I put the work in before so then I could go to a four-year school, Division One school, mm -hmm. right out of high school. And that's something that, you know, I thank them all the time for because, you know, I learn from them. I have a theory that the youngest tend to come out the best because we're trying to keep up with the oldest. And it sounds that possibly that was your case? Learn from my brothers. The whole process of everything we've been through has not just been a learning process for me, but my parents. Like he said, my parents were clueless about getting their kids into college, moving their kids to, we we're talking about it last night, moving Miles into his dorm. He didn't bring bed sheets, he didn't bring, you know, he thought that stuff was supplied. But they were just that clueless about, about college. For me, my parents learned about everything. So they were kind of geared down on us a, uh, a lot more. The easiest part for me was I had the opportunity to learn from my brothers and then be on me about it and then have a partner. You know, I didn't really, I, I obviously learned a lot from him, but we learned together. We were partners through the whole, the whole process. And, you know, when you have a partner with something, as far as sitting down and doing your homework, uh, it didn't always work that way, but he'd sit down and kind of make me do my homework. And I was in love with the game for me. So that, that was, like they said, same thing for them. That was my vehicle. But every day I'd go out, I'd play lacrosse. That was what I cared about, and I cared about it so much that I wasn't, I wasn't willing to you know, let education be in the way for me. So when you guys go out and do your, your clinics and you meet people, particularly when you're on, on reservations or you, you have a large audience, members of the audience of being Native Americans, are you guys strategic to talk about school and all those challenges? I'm first generation in education myself. My parents, they didn't know anything about this stuff. What do you guys do? Do you think about this when you go out and talk to people to make sure they have the basic knowledge and skills that you didn't have, Jerome, when it was you were the first one to go off and Jeremy didn't have? Jeremy, um, typically what we do um, for camps and clinics, we st the very first thing that we start off with um, is the history of the game, where this game has, came from, where this game has uh, come from. Two, um, the importance of the lacrosse stick. Um, the wooden traditional acrostic and you know the whole significance behind that um, um, right from the beginning uh, from birth and when we pass on uh, this world we continue to use that stick in the next world and then three finally we just tell our story a little bit you know use encouraging words uh, to kids you know to, to stay strong you know encourage one another and you know have a good, uh, good frame of mind and most importantly you know to have fun and know that each and every one of you guys are special. You guys have something special to offer to this world, and it's not only one thing. It can be two, three, four, five, six, seven things, you know, in your back pocket. And the more and more you kind of um, build on those things, um, it becomes, you know, you become a better person, not only for yourself, but that affects, you know, the people around you. It's a lot. It's a lot. I think we do touch on all those things. We touch on the drugs and alcohol because it's, it's something that affects us. It's something that affects all communities. We touch on the education because we had a chance to, to experience and these, these kids have an opportunity to learn from them. And it's, it's where, it's the direction we want our communities to go in. Because as kids for us, it wasn't a thing. College wasn't, wasn't a thing. And now, like Jeremy said earlier, they're learning more and more about it and we want to be a part of the process, 
as far as sports go, if you're going to use a sport as as a vehicle, we want to make sure that that you're ready for for what you're going to have to go through. So we try to educate every every kid at camps about those little things. The show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend. Share the show on Facebook and Twitter or send them to our website at fredopi.com. Do you want to go to school without student loans? Need an after-graduation five-year plan? Are you interested in increasing your income and creative outlets? Do you have a plan to give, save, and spend more? My new book, Start With Your Gift. Understand and monetize it while serving others with it. It's the best book I know out there for accomplishing these goals. If you got a kid who was like me, a big-time lacrosse junkie, have him read the book. It's a lacrosse memoir slash career advice. It will save you a lot of headaches in the future and your child, male or female. If you know a kid who's into hockey, basketball, whatever the sport is, it's a good book for a kid like that. It's appropriate for somebody who is 14 to 44. If you have kids or grandkids and you want to make a difference in their life, Purchase them a copy of Start With Your Gift. It's available in Kindle and paperback, and you can get it on Amazon.com. Now back to the show. When I was in high school, there weren't too many lacrosse players that, that went off, native lacrosse players that went off to college. Um, we just had, you could probably count them on one hand. People like, like Brett Bucktooth, Marshall Abrams. Okay. There weren't too many other people who, who went off to college, but... You definitely looked up to people like that to want to do what they're doing, mm -hmm. go to Syracuse and, and play in the Dome. And that's something that, that we wanted to do. Well, me and Jeremy wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy got there. I didn't, but the grades held me back. That's definitely what, what we look to, uh, to be to, to the younger communities now, give the kids something to look up to and, and, and want to be like. You know, they're learning right there with their kids. A big thing that they're teaching their kids now at a young age, the oldest is what, five years old, is they're learning our language. You know, they're right there with them. You know, I see them, whatever their kids are doing, that's what they're doing. Hmm. And I feel like they're leading by example, so. There's a lot of talking. I have three, three right. girls. As a parent, I mean, obviously there's a, a bunch of different ways you can, you can parent and um, I guess to point your kids in the direction you you want them to go in but for me i i know what i've experienced and i i know what got me to where where i've where i've been and that's passion um and i think that's what i teach kids everywhere so when i do speaking events when we do camps my main my main point i'm trying to get across to every kid is to find a passion for what you want to do mm -hmm. and that's what I do with my kids, you know what I mean? If, if my kid's into, you know, running, if she's into art or whatever she's, in, she's into, I'm going to do that with them so that they grow, that passion grows, and that love grows, mm. whatever they want to want to do. They're at a young age, but I'm finding it in them. They, they have it in themselves to, 
to figure out what they like. And as a parent, I'm just there to, to kind of guide them and be there with them, hmm. like my parents were for me. And I think that's the main thing. Main thing I do, I'm not going to try to, I guess, force them into a direction where they don't want to go. You know, for myself in the beginning, I was a lot more tougher on my first child than I am with, you know, how I am we now. We experiment on the like, first child, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we all are experiment. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, so for me, you know, like, 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 like I mentioned, it's, I think it's important now for me, you know, just to stay calm. Yeah. And, you know, because it's easy, I think it's, I think it's normal to, you know, get upset right away when, you know, don't tell your, your child, don't, don't do that, you know. So now it's it's more of, you know, try to talk to them in a calm sense of way. And, um, you know, I feel like that's the best way to get through to them, um, you know, and to whatever they're, um, you know, destined to do. And I always, you know, tell them that they're, you know, they're special. You know, I always tell them I love them. And, um, you know, that, you know, you can become something, you know, one of these days, you know. So I try to talk to her, you know, in a, in a, in a educated way I guess you know try to educate them in what I know I always say about parenting is that our parents did the best they could with what they knew and when you know more you should be able to do a better job parenting so tell me what is you guys position on women playing lacrosse and the way my dad has taught me uh, women in our community don't play lacrosse mm -hmm. um, but my stance on it now is that um, and I respect that traditional aspect way and I have to the way I see it and the way I view it is that there's medicine in that traditional wooden stick and that carries on, you know, to wherever you go. And, you know, it's a sport, known as today, you know, so if, if my child, my girls, you know, decide to play lacrosse, you take, use it as a vehicle to go to college, you know, by all means, um, I don't want to hold them back from that. But I can tell you that she knows not to touch a wooden traditional lacrosse stick. And I think she, she understands you know, when she comes to a game that, you know, she's there in the audience to help, um, you know, to make the things, um, because there's food prepared for it, you know, in, in our traditional aspect way, um, you know, for the game of lacrosse, we, we make cookies or, you know, something, some, some sort of bread, and it's to help, you know, feed that, that, that whole process, you know. So for me, I think she understands, you know, from that women hold that position in the traditional aspect that they, they make, they prepare the foods, you know, for the game. The men go out to the, the physicality. Come on, bro. For me, no, I don't, I don't let my daughter touch any kind of lacrosse stick because I just feel like it's the way I was brought up that it's, it's, it's wrong. Um, so I don't, I don't let her touch any kind of lacrosse stick, whether it's a traditional one or a plastic one. Just because I, I feel like it still holds that, that sacredness that we carry for, for the game of lacrosse. Huh? It's not just the, the guy's decision. Um, obviously your wife is gonna have a huge impact on your decision and, and you know, my wife, she's, she don't want them playing the game. And that's the, that's the way I kinda, I kinda left it because of all the controversy and, and where people are, native people are saying, um, the different things they say, the medicine's only in, in the wooden stick and just don't let them touch that. You know, and I look at it and I see they're two different games. Mm -hmm. So obviously in my mind, I really didn't know what direction to go in as a parent. I just left it up to her and she she views the same. I mean, she's traditional and she, want, she uh, I guess, respects the history of it. And 
they won't be playing the cross. They know not to touch any of my sticks, any wooden stick. Mm. Um, at a young age, and obviously I got sticks laying around the house, so they they go and as babies, my youngest one, she'll still grab my stick and whatnot. Mm. You know, that's the way we were we were kind of brought up. Like my sister never would never touch our sticks. My mom would never touch our sticks. Um, so right from a young age, that's kind of what we've seen. Hey, listeners, we want to make you aware of the Jim Brown 56 Lacrosse Challenge. Donate $56 or more to the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation at ugandalacrosse.org. 56 was Brown's Syracuse Lacrosse jersey number. Purchase a copy of my lacrosse memoir slash career advice book, Start With Your Gift. Post a picture of you holding your copy of the book on Instagram and tag me. And I will donate 10% of the proceeds of your purchase to the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation. It will advance the initiative of getting lacrosse into the Olympics. For that to happen, lacrosse has to exist on all the continents on the globe. And Africa is the last frontier. Your tax-free donation will go a long ways in helping spread lacrosse from not just being the fastest game in the United States, but the fastest growing game across the world. Welcome back to this edition of the Fred Opie Show, unpacking history to positively impact the future. Let's go back to the 14-year-old who's playing the game, not from the Native American community. When playing the game, in what way can they best honor the game? This is what you could do. Miles, you want to start first? First thing that came to my mind when you asked that question was have fun. We'll have a game that goes up to two, that goes up to four, four goals scored. Each team could have two and two, the game's done. And I feel like that shows, you know, you're not going out there to win. You're going out there to play the game. There's much bigger purpose than winning and losing. It's about going out there and having fun. Play hard, do what you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at different players, and as a kid, I always, I always looked. My dad always told us to watch players and learn from them. Pick our favorite player and pay attention to what they're doing, um, off ball, on ball, defense, whatever it is. So as a kid, I always looked at the players like my dad. You know, he was a hard, he was a grinder. He worked hard. He, he did, you know, all all the little things. But what he was doing was working hard, and I always kind of looked down on the other players that jogged to the bench or um, smack talked, fight, you know what I mean? But now I look at the game and, and I look at different players that that's part of their game, but they're still doing it and having fun with it. You know what I mean? I look at like players like, you know, I watch Cody Jamison and, and he's someone who, who gets into little scruffy stuff of the game, but he's he, he loves the game, he's really passionate about it and, and he's competing. And I think when you see that in a player, when a kid's, I guess it comes down to what Miles just said, is, you know, if a kid looks like he's out there having fun and that's what he cares about, that's that's the way I, I envision, you know, that's the way I, I want the game to be played. Jerome? The, the biggest part is is respect. The way the way we were brought up, the way we were taught, was just to, to respect the game. And not only... What, the, what does that mean for you, respect the game? Pretty much play it with a clear mind. Um, that's the, that's what we're taught. When when we're given our traditional wooden stick, we're, we're uh, that that stick was once living. It was a tree. It's made out of a tree, hickory tree, and everything about it 
was living. So we respect that trick, that stick. And I bring that same thing right into the game because it's used in a game of lacrosse. So I feel like everything around the game of lacrosse and throughout life should be respected in that manner. Your opponent. Your opponent, the teammates. refs, teammates, coaches, everybody around you who's watching, the fans. So the biggest thing for me is just, is just playing with respect. And you introduced somebody to shots you and respect comes in. How do you handle it? I mean, it, it definitely does, and I've definitely been cheap shotted a lot of times. And there's times when, when you do have enough, but I mean, most of the time I'm pretty cool, calm, and collective about it. I mean, I just go out there and play the game. That's a part of what we always say, too. You play with a clear mind. That's a part of that. It means keep your head. It means you don't play under the influence. You don't play angry. If you get hit, you get cheap shotted. You know, it's just a part of the game. So that's what we mean. We say it to everyone, and a lot of people don't understand what we mean when we say you play with a clear mind, you play with a lot of passion, a lot of heart. That's what that's what I I mean when I say play with. A clear mind. Jeremy, the first thing, and I'm gonna stick with it. And every one of these guys mentioned it is a clear mind and have a short memory, um, because sit, things are gonna be sit on a floor. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be hits, there's gonna be cross checks, there's gonna be you know whatever the case may be. There's gonna some some word might slip out. And that's that's, that's just that's just the nature of you know what happens out there, and that's a tough thing on an individual. Um, you know, if something does slip out, whatever the case may be, but to have that strong mind, I think the more you, more and more you work as an individual and yourself to become strong and to become you know resistant of those things and you know how you can retaliate right you know like you said not everybody is at that point mm -hmm. you had people that are gonna think something bad and that's that's normal right and because in in life you have good and you have bad and it's all about trying to balance those things and so it doesn't make that person that's over here that's leaning toward more good than any better than that person that might be struggling so at the same time you know that that's in sports and i think you just have to leave everything out on the floor but at the same time have a short memory like leave it on the floor no mm. don't take it out mm. outside the he game. didn't pass me i was yeah. open <laughs> <laughs> why you give me the rock <laughs> yeah, so. what's next kind of attitude and you know just carry on from there there's more to life right to continue to continue on when I hear you guys say clear head, I'm also thinking the term meekness. And meekness means power under control. I could hurt you, but I choose not to because I have a clear head. I'm going to do the right thing even if you're not doing the right thing. So, And the short memory, that is so important with your face-off man like you or whatever. You got to get next for the next play. Don't sit there and have a pity party move on. That and just what we had to go through as kids being Native. Uh, you know, a lot of racial stuff being said at us. And Especially in college and high school, end of high school. Yeah. Well, even at the professional stage, like I had my hair pulled and the guy was kind of, I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> the guy pulled you he's a good, good lacrosse player, but like, he's just like. Chuck, I hope we're still rolling because this is interesting, for real. But there would be games where, like, place at UMass, that was a hard place to play. And we played when they were on the side of the hill and they'd be two feet away from you. And you're right, people would be talking all kinds of junk, but when the opponents would talk junks. I literally just like, I'm just like, look at the score. I mean, really? You can call me nigga all you want, but who's winning this game? <laughs> but you guys have, this has been a regular part. Even now, you're saying when you're playing, those kind of racial epithets will happen when you're playing indoor and outdoor. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's changed a lot. For the better. Because of 
the impact we made in college on the history of the game and whatnot. Maybe that's why, but I just feel like since like our last two years at college, it's gone. You know what I mean? All the racial, you know what I mean? All the little things. But in high school, it sounds in like... In high school, it was... It got pretty bad. Wow. In college, there's certain places like UMass, mm -hmm. Drexel, mm -hmm. were all like really bad, but... Hmm. I think the more and more you talk about it and become aware of it, you're going to understand it, you're going to be more respectful toward it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's just something that's on a rise right now for as Native Americans in our community coming from, you know, right from going to college, getting one to get an education from it. And, you know, professional level, yeah, it's still going to be there, but the more and more you become educated and aware of it, it's, it's something they know. In professional sports, African Americans, most of them marry white women. I don't see pro-white athletes, when they come to become successful, decide to marry a black woman. No, if you guys married outside your community, what would be the response of your family? Like, if we date a white woman, yeah. my father, he don't want it to happen, and he'll make it clear. He'll make it known <laughs> that he don't want that to happen. I think in our community, the way it's viewed is once you move on, you move outside that, if you marry off, within our community, you lose all your rights. Um, because of just trying to keep, uh, trying to build a strong people, communities, nation, mm. to bring that charter back, I think they've always had to kept that right from, I'm not too sure with the dates of, you know, when that law was made, or when it was created, because I'm pretty sure it's in paper, once you marry off, you lose your rights. Women yeah. are the ones that hold the clan, so. Because you're a matrilineal society. Yeah, yeah. So women can, if my kid, Forget if I the marry, sugar daddy. It's sugar mama. If I, if I marry a white woman and my kids are half white and they don't have a clan, they can't live on res. Wow. Basically, your identity they is your... They can't go to our ceremonies. Basically, your identity is your clan and your Indian name that you're given and how to get that is you're given that through the woman. So if the mother's not, if she's, you know what I mean? Outside. Or outside, then it's that can't be done. Well, educate me. <laughs> this is my opportunity as a college professor to stay involved in the game and scratch that lacrosse itch that I hope never goes away. So that is Fred Opie for the Fred Opie Show. I'm out, y'all. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening. To hear more content like it, go to fredopie.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. Write me to speak, teach, coach, and consult at F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com.